0: The question is, do you want flags thrown in that final play situation, or do you want the guys to just go out there, battle, and see who comes up with the football?
1: What pass play doesn't involve some level of holding? What one? None. I mean, Zero. especially Zero. on the
0: one-yard line, a pass from the right. one.
1: Right, right let them play this is darren waller right this is your big play guy you got him because he's a mismatch nightmare who goes up and high points the ball and scores touchdowns right that was the whole idea with darren waller he battles through the contact he battles through the holding he battles through the physicality he comes down with the ball and he scores that was the idea he didn't do that Hey there, everybody.
0: Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, along with my good buddy, Dan Benton. This is the Giants Wire podcast. We are brought to you by the USA Today Network, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts. You can support us by subscribing. You can leave a review, tell a friend. Uh, we appreciate you all for hopping on board. Dan, how you doing this week?
1: Uh, as usual, it's a pretty loaded question. I expected yeah. to come on the show today and commiserate over an absolute blowout, and I'm not sure that that wouldn't have been better off for the mental psyche. Than losing the game in the way that the Giants did with an upset right there at their fingertips. Uh, it's pretty remarkably frustrating with Washington coming up because the Giants were that close to potentially putting themselves in a position to get back to three and four, and instead they're going into this game one and five now, and injuries again, the question.
0: It was a kind of a remarkable game, right? I mean, the Giants are 15 and a half point dogs in that game, and the Bills don't even score 15 points against them. Go figure that, right? It's just an unbelievable game. The Giants were in it. Uh, Obviously, they're at the one yard line at the end of each half. They couldn't punch it in. Uh, Tyrod Taylor played well in relief of Daniel Jones, right, Dan? But the offense still can't score a touchdown. I think that's kind of the leadoff story right now. Uh, If the Giants would have won the game, I think the leading story might have been Justin Pugh, which we'll get into. But they lost. And I think the story, therefore, is they can't freaking score a touchdown no matter what they try to do. Uh, They recovered a fumble in the first quarter. March 12 plays inside the 10. They go backwards, settle for a field goal. Great field position again in the second quarter after the Bills missed their own long field goal attempt. Giants get back into the red zone, go backwards, negative run by Saquon, penalty, whatever. Settle for a field goal, 6-0. And then obviously the drive of the game, I think. This is the drive that everybody's talking about, and we will too. You're back on the move again after Josh Allen throws an interception. Right at the end of the half, the Giants get it all the way down to the one-yard line with 14 seconds left after the pass interference call in the end zone Dan you have no timeouts there as long as you don't take a sack you're gonna at least go up nine nothing at halftime against the Buffalo Bills on the road instead we all know what happens right Tyrod Taylor points to his helmet gives some type of alert or audible at the line of scrimmage Uh, the ball goes to Saquon Barkley on a run play Bill stuff it time runs out Giants leave with no points Tyrod's embarrassed Dayball's flipping out the giants are complete laughingstock all over social media like here we go on to the second half right it's just like that is the story i think that sequence at the end of the first half give me your take on that
1: the end of that drive is what was going to win or lose him the game and that you know that one obviously lost them the game people want to talk about that last play when we'll touch on that again you know shortly but that play never would have materialized that never would have happened if the giants didn't bungle that whole, you know, end of the second quarter nonsense there. And there's multiple culprits in that. I know that after the game, like Tyrod took the blame for, you know, audibling out of what the play call was. And for whatever reason, thinking that they had a good chance to run the ball there, but you know, they only got to that point due to the poor clock management leading up to that moment. Anyway, there were multiple instances there where, the Giants could have done something differently and saved some time. And instead, Dayball was actually seemingly running down the clock. At one point, he waited 10 seconds to call a timeout, literally watching the clock before he called the timeout. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, what in the world are you doing, my guy? Like, don't I, I don't know what you're doing here. I, I don't understand, you know, what it is that you're trying to accomplish by running this clock down. You haven't scored a touchdown an offensive touchdown since the, the the Cardinals game. So let's just punch the ball in the damn end zone and, and worry about whatever meager seconds are left on the clock after that. But, you know, instead, um, you know, there was the confusion with the timeouts, which is what I'm attributing Taylor's call to my, my assumption is even though no one said it is that he assumed there was another timeout, you know, in Dave's back pocket when there wasn't. Um, if if that's not the case, then it's even more of a catastrophic mental error than, than what it already appears to be. But, it's not just Tyrod Taylor that made that mistake, uh, even though it was a pretty bad mistake for a veteran quarterback. It was a whole string of things that led up to that embarrassment.
0: Yeah, it was a whole string of things. Definitely uh, Tyrod needs to not check into a run there, obviously. That's the obvious one. You could see Tyrod pointing at his chest, my bad, my bad, as he was getting blown up on the sideline afterwards by Dave Ball. But I still I, I agree with everything you said about the clock management. I think this is on day ball. And again, you know, I'm going to scratch an itch here for a minute, Dan. And I, I know you don't agree with me on this, but another, like another situation where day yelling at everybody on the sideline, blowing everybody up on the cameras. He's not waiting till he gets in the locker room. He's ripping into Tyrod Taylor, making sure we all know that it was Tyrod's mistake and not his. And, and to me, it's day balls mistake. It's his clock management. The, the, the clock should not have been a factor in that situation. Micah McFadden intercepts the ball with two twenty three remaining. The Giants still have two timeouts and the two-minute warning. And you're so right. There was no urgency there. They were actually trying to score with no time left because my guess, Dan, is that he was so terrified of giving Josh Allen the ball back with a chance to go score that they just wanted to make sure they scored last and got into the locker room. That was probably the thinking, but that was probably overthinking it because, to your point, you can't score a freaking touchdown on offense. Just don't overthink it. Just score. Score a touchdown. Just go score a touchdown. Who cares what's on the clock? Just score an offensive touchdown for crying out loud, right? And they just milk the clock and milk the clock and work it. And you're right, Dayball did wait. He was trying to score with no time left, and he put his team in that situation where a mistake like that or a sack or something could screw it all up. So, yeah, Tyrod should not have audible into a run, obviously. But I still put it on Dayball, and I think it makes the optics of him freaking out, red face, bitching at everybody on the sideline like a madman. It just makes it look even worse, in my opinion, because he looks like a man who is kind of not in control of these situations. And that's my biggest criticism on Dayball right now. So I just had to scratch that itch a little bit, Dan, but I agree with you 100%. I put it more on the freaking clock management there than the mistake if, if that makes sense
1: yeah i mean i guess maybe 60 40 but it's almost equal parts you know because at the end of the day nobody's talking about the clock management if the giants manage to punch the ball in the end zone in reality we're probably not even talking about the clock management if they kick a field goal in that particular instance likely because they end up winning the game as a result of that but
0: now we're probably calling you the know ball brilliant for that clock management. Yeah, they score this, but they can't score
1: yeah so uh, you know that's one of those situations where, depending on the outcome, the an analysis is going to vary. Um, but in this particular instance, it failed, and it failed because of the poor clock management, and it failed because of the poor decision by Tyrod Taylor. So, quite frankly, they should have been yelling at each other. I've got no problem with screaming on the sideline. I've never really been... I never really have looked at that like uh, such a negative thing, don't dress down your players, because in that particular instance, he's not really – I've seen coaches dress down their players before, and that's not what he did with Tyrod. That's not what he had done with Daniel Jones previously when he tossed a tablet, even though that was a little little ridiculous too. But these things are just – getting you know they're happen to get caught by the camera at this point because they happen on the sideline of every nfl team in every nfl game uh they look particularly worse when your team is one in five and you're an absolute disaster and an embarrassment because they they sort of get amplified in that particular instance but as someone who's played football myself you know, when you're in those moments, you don't no one's thinking that oh the T V cameras are on me. No one cares. You're just you're emotional, your adrenaline is pumping, you're you're angry, you're probably angry at yourself. I'm sure he was. You're angry at the quarterback, you're angry at the situation. I mean, my coach in high school, we called him drill sergeant, if that gives you any indication of what it was like when you made a mistake there. So you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rag on Dayball for yelling at his players, but I will rag on Dayball for absolutely annihilating clock management in one of the worst ways that I can recall in recent memory. So, you know, if we're going to criticize him, that's certainly what he should be criticized for. And he's obviously not without blame, um, not just for the one and five start, but particularly for that series and the way that it ended.
0: I, I don't know why I get so upset about Dayball ripping the players on, on the sideline in front of all the cameras, Dan, I just, <laughs>
1: it's, it's, it's not uncommon for Dayball. If you, if you were able, if the, you know, the general public was able to watch him in practice, this is, that's Brian Dayball. Yeah. That's just Brian day. And he loves you the next second. You know what I mean? Like right, right, it right, goes right. away and you're all buddies and you're all good. But the bottom line is, listen, the NFL is a violent sport. It's a tough sport mentally, physically uh, there's, there's blood, sweat, there's tears. Like this isn't, this isn't a soft game, even though the NFL makes increasing attempts to make it a softer game. It's just not the nature of a football player or a football coach to go soft. And I don't think that the players expect their coach to be soft, and I'm not sure that they'd even want their coach to be soft. So, you know, to me, that's just football. That's just the way that football's always been. Like I said, my high school coach was named Drill Sergeant. I grew up with the Bill Parcells Giants. I watched the Tom Coughlin Giants win two Super Bowls. You know, if we were going to be – you know, shredding coaches for yelling at their players. Tom Coughlin would have been gone long before he ever won those titles. So yeah, it's a fair to point. me. It just doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. It's just, just how it is. It's the game of football.
0: Yeah. I don't know. For some reason I just want him to go into the locker room and do it or do it in the practice field. Just not uh, just the optics of just, just look like you're a man in control of the situation, but he's probably, you're right, Dad. He's probably pissed at himself because he can get on the headset and say, Hey Tyrod, don't audible here. You know what I mean? Like he's the head right.
1: coach, and it's fun, it's funny because that's not the only person he yelled at. You know, there, he yelled at several other several other coaches and players. Yeah, it was the
0: quarterbacks uh, coach, right? Yeah, the out. quarterbacks
1: coach. Yeah, that's who got it first. So Poor Jake Tierney got it. He got it first, <laughs> and then uh, and then it immediately turned to Tyrod, and and poor Tyrod, you could actually see in through his, um his visor that he was just tight lipped and he was just going to take the verbal. Yes, deal, sir. So.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My, I'm sorry, sir. Yeah. That's totally what it was.
1: Uh, and, so. I, and I feel bad for Tyrod. I do. You've heard me say it on this channel, on this show. And I'm sure everybody listening has heard me say this a million times before Tyrod is a good quarterback. He's an underrated quarterback. I've always wanted him to succeed. And he's always just had this hard luck nonsense to deal with and, Unfortunately for Tyrod this time, it was semi self-inflicted. But again, it's just another one of those situations where Tyrod has had the opportunity to be the hero and remind the world that he's a good quarterback and deserves a starting job, which he does, not necessarily on the Giants, but he does deserve it and unfortunately he they just blew it for him he blew it for himself and i can't help but to feel bad about that
0: same it's just not enough reps right it's a that was a tricky situation there and you gotta understand how many timeouts you have how much time you have left all that stuff the it's just a situation that you gotta rep and uh tyrod has not played a lot of football unfortunately recently but uh, yeah, just and his, very much
1: of that is not his fault. I've strongly believed, and I still strongly believe, that he's the best backup quarterback in football. Period.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. And uh, if they would have just found a way to punch that football in, Dan, you're up what 13 nothing at half, and you're putting the Bills in a really tough spot. And maybe you go on and win that football game the way it played I out. Think he uh, I think they and, and if they did, Tyrod Taylor would have been a story. I think Justin Pugh would have been a, a big story. We'll get to the, how the game ended here in a minute. Um, on the final play but Justin Pugh what what a story so I was reading from the athletic Dan so Pugh comes in he he signs on the practice squad two weeks ago but he was trying to negotiate a fully guaranteed contract with playing time incentives because he's like hey you you want me like let's talk money and the Giants are like Justin you're 33 you're coming off a torn ACL we're not we're not paying we're not giving you incentives like just go sit on the practice squad in case we need you Right. Uh, and he basically says, All right, well, when I earn a starting job, I'm going to come back to the negotiating table. He, here's what the athletic wrote. Pugh said he asked the Giants that once he proves he's worthy of a spot on the active roster, that decides, quote, come back to the table to discuss a contract. Right. So this is what Pugh says. It, it turns out, of course, the Giants need him because they are just running out of bodies along the offensive line. They bring him in to play guard in this game. He ends up playing tackle when Josh Azuto leaves with an injury. Right. And. Now he if, if Andrew Thomas can't go against the commanders, Dan, he's probably gonna start at left tackle for you. So uh Joe Shane, get out, get ready to go negotiate with Justin Pugh on his new contract because he's gonna want to get some incentives if he's gonna start at left tackle. But this is an unbelievable story. He he wasn't getting a chance really. He the Giants bring him back. He gets in there, and I mean he it wasn't like he was the best player across the board, best offensive lineman across the board in the league last year. Not like this like remarkable performance or anything. But I think the word stabilizing, right? He helps stabilize things. Uh, when Azuda went down, we've seen that a hundred times with the Giants, right? Over the last couple of seasons, a guy goes down and then it's musical chairs and it's a disaster, right? This time, Pugh moves to left tackle and it was a stabilizing thing. And the Giants actually held it together against a Bills team that came in, not only leading the league in sacks, but with a healthy Von Miller and the Giants. Really had one of their better pass protection. I mean, the pass protection was not the story. Uh, It was Tyrod Taylor was only sacked three times. They moved the football on offense. Like the pass protection was good. And I think Pugh was a huge part of that, right, Dan? So, what a story this guy was. If the Giants won, he would have been the story, I think.
1: Straight off the couch, as he said. You know, he comes in and and starts at left guard and unexpectedly uh, gets shipped out to left tackle almost immediately. He did have some hiccups, you know, obviously. There's no denying that there were some hiccups when he shifted out to left guard. I think it was like the very first play that the bills defender just blew right past them. And, you know, everybody kind of thought, Oh, here we go again. But he, he settled in and, you know, like I said, he had a few hiccups early in particular, but, but the word you use stabilizing is exactly what happened. It was a very stabilizing presence that Pew had there. And also the credit got to go to other, you know, players, Mark Lewinsky played the best game of his entire season. Um, uh, You know, maybe it's just coincidental. Maybe it's an outlier. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, he played solidly. You could see that Evan Neal is continuing to make strides forward slowly. You know, I thought he played a a pretty solid game. The Giants also did a great job moving the pocket, which isn't something that they've done a lot of this year. Ironically, it's what, you know, when Daniel Jones had his best success last year was when they they were moving the pocket. And I thought that worked effectively with Tyrod's game. He's already kind of a shifty, elusive guy as it is now, or as it is anyway. So, you know, moving the pocket, gave him an extra second or, you know, half a uh, second and a half to evaluate, gave his wide receivers a chance to get open. He made some good throws. He's always, you know, had a strong arm. Uh, he makes it look effortless, you know, and that, that's always one of the things that's impressed me about him. And he drops those balls in right in the breadbasket. Um, you know, and but again, yeah, you go back to Pew, none of that happens if, if he doesn't get out there at left tackle and stabilize things. So whether or not he plays tackle again moving forward, now that they brought Tyree Phillips back, which you know they should have never let him go in <laughs> first place, yeah. but I think he was at the beginning. Right. So, you know, maybe he comes in and plays tackle if Thomas doesn't and Hugh and goes back into to guard if he's elevated off the practice squad. If he remains on the practice squad, I think that's the key part there. If the Giants don't bring him to the active roster, I, I find it hard to believe that an offensive line starved league doesn't look at Justin Pugh and what he did last week and go, hey, if the Giants aren't going to sign him to the 53 man roster, we sure as hell are. Um, so he's making himself money, whether or not that comes with the Giants or another team. I don't think the Giants or Joe Shane should be foolish enough to even risk that at this point, given their offensive line issues. So based on everything that we saw last week from a guy who had not played, I mean, that's literally his first snaps. Um, Yeah, he warrants that spot. He warrants the money that he wanted. He proved that he was still worth it. And, you know, when a guy does that, you tip your cap and you pay them your money because you need that player right now and you can't afford to go backwards.
0: Yeah, just just a great story, and the offensive line across the board. I mean, Ben Bredesen's playing center again. Uh, Marcus McKeithen, who had been terrible and benched, he has to he has to come back in at guard when Azudu left right in, and they had to shuffle things, and they just they they held it together. So that was that was a good sign based on what we've been talking about for the last six weeks or so, right? With the offensive line, that was that was good stuff. The Giants, um, like I said, they were able to move the ball and uh, they moved it. At the end of the game, they were moving it again. They got all the way down to the one yard line. Uh, and I guess this is the big question that the big debate was it a flag? You know, did the, was, the, was the ref right to, to not throw the flag? Was it holding? And uh, was Darren Waller held, Dan? Of course he was. Right. There's like, is, is there any question of that? There's no question. Darren Waller was freaking held. Uh, I I think the real question is do you Giants fans want flags thrown in those situations right the end of game situation the Giants had just gotten a flag that's how they got to the one yard line and uh, it's a physical play a pass for the one yard line right Dan if it's two guys going one on one in the end zone from the one yard line on a pass play there's gonna be contact both ways I thought Waller had his hands on uh, who who was the defender Taron Johnson Uh, Waller had his hands on Johnson Johnson he had his hands on off Waller. his face. Yeah.
1: He put right off his face. No, I think the,
0: I think the <laughs> so. contact on Taron Johnson's side was a little more egregious because you could see the jersey tug, and yeah. usually the flag comes out of... But both players are touching each other, and just, that's the point, right, Dan, is on these pass plays from the one-yard line, there's going to be contact every time. So when is the rest supposed to throw the flag, and when is he not, right? You know what I mean? It's just, that's a tough one, and we could talk about week 15 last year if you'd like. <laughs> but, dude, that's the question. It's not, it was Darren Waller... Held. Yes, he was held. Uh, the question is, do you want flags thrown in that final play situation, or do you want the guys to just go out there, battle, and see who comes up with the football?
1: What pass play doesn't involve some level of holding? What one? None. I mean, Zero. especially Zero. on the
0: one-yard line, a pass from the right. one. Right,
1: right. Let them play. This is Darren Waller, right? This is your big play guy. You got him because he's a mismatch nightmare who goes up and high points the ball and scores touchdowns, right? That was the whole idea with Darren Waller. He battles through the contact. He battles through the holding. He battles through the physicality. He comes down with the ball and he scores. That was the idea. He didn't do that. The ball was a little high. He didn't make the play. Yes, he was held. Yes, he pushed off, which he acknowledged. So, You know, at the very best case scenario, if you get everything you want in that scenario, you get another on time down. Right. But again, going back to week 15 last year, where were these same complaints when I believe it was Darnay Holm draped all over Washington's receiver? The Giants win the game and Giants fans essentially say, shut up. You don't want the refs to decide the game. Let them play. Right. That was the entire narrative at the time, which I agreed with. I agree with the same thing now. Was he held? Yes. Did he push off? Yes. Do I want them just to let these guys play after they threw 37 flags throughout this game? Just let the players play and decided on the field. So I'm not going to blame the referees for that particular play and that particular no call. That's not why the Giants lost this game you know if you need to uh, you know compartmentalize what's going on with the giants and and you know you maybe you want to save yourself from some mental heartache you'll you'll blame the referees in that particular instance it's not why the giants lost this game it's not why Darren Waller didn't make that catch um, and it's not something that I'm going to look at and say, the Giants had this game won, but the referees are the ones that cost it. That's, that's just not the way that I'm going to do it. I, I am perfectly fine with them letting them play. I like the physicality. I like the contact. I like the better man going out there and winning. And unfortunately, in that particular instance, it just wasn't Darren Waller and it wasn't the Giants. Now, if fans want to be critical of the referees, there are plenty of other examples throughout that game where you could pinpoint it and say these referees are an absolute disaster because they 100% were case in point Evan Neal getting called as an illegal man down the field when he absolutely was not an illegal man down the field, and that wiped wiped off a 40-something-yard play right off the board for the Giants. So there are instances where you can pinpoint You know, the referee is completely messing up and it happened on both sides of the ball. So let's not pretend that wasn't the case either. But when it comes to Waller, I'm not going to look at that and say the Giants lost the games because the ref ref didn't make that call. They should never been in that situation in the first place. And when the opportunity is there for you to win the game, you go out and win the game. No excuses.
0: Oh, my God, Dan, don't get me started on the um, illegal man downfield thing. That is (laughs) every year the NFL has this point of emphasis call where they call it nonstop for the first half of the season, right? Just the flag comes up. Every game you watch across the league, they call that three or four times. I I can't hear the stupid ref say in the illegal man downfield anymore. It's driving me crazy. It was it and was
1: such a bad call too because they he was engaged. And yeah. the rule is that as long as you're engaged in the block, you can't get called for the illegal man downfield. Once the block is disengaged, as long as you don't move further down the field, It's not a legal man down the field. In this particular case, he was like a yard and a half, two yards past the line of scrimmage, engaged. The second they disengaged, he turned sideways and stood there. That's not a legal man down the field. So I, I don't know what the referees were calling in that particular instance. So fans want to want want to to scream at the refs in the NFL for their terrible officiating. Use that as an example, not the last play of the game.
0: Yeah, I think they are trying to find any excuse to throw that specific flag because the of this, like, yeah, it's a yeah, point of – They do this – yeah, they do this one-time
1: too, like – it, it, it's it's like a prime time plague with with nfl officials and it's not unique to the giants the giants have just happened to be in a lot of prime time games this year but you could pick any primetime game and once those national television cameras are on it's like a flag fest the referees want as much screen time as they could possibly <laughs> get and, and it just it just it's a it's a plague on the nfl and something that they really really desperately need to address
0: yeah so bitch about that call that's a good one dan there was a there's a roughing the passer call that the Giants got on, on Josh Allen. That Agreed, was just horrible. You remember uh, that outrageous. one where the it was yeah. just like, he just tossed him down right after he threw another. the ball. It was not late. It was, there was nothing
1: there. He didn't even, he didn't even toss him down. It was no. just, it was like the most mild contact at the exact moment of release that you could possibly have. And yeah, there you go. There's another perfect example. You want to, you want to complain about a bad call. That's certainly one of them. But again, be sure to keep in mind that some of those calls went both ways. It wasn't completely one-sided. But, yeah, the NFL does have an officiating problem. More specifically, the NFL has a primetime officiating yeah. problem because the referees get all up in their own ego, and they want you know as much screen time as possible. And if you don't believe what I'm saying when you hear me say it, you go ahead and you go watch any primetime game and watch how many more flags are thrown during those games than non-primetime games.
0: Oh, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. So, again, yeah, bitch about that stuff. But we got to stay consistent on the last play of the game thing. Again, you're, you're right. Darnay Holmes, week 15. He was draped all over Curtis Samuel. Definitely contact there. <laughs> There's no debating that. Flag did not yeah, come it was, out. Well, it
1: was far worse than, than the <laughs> yeah. Darren Waller play. <laughs> Flag didn't
0: come out. The commanders were pissed. Uh, Ron Rivera... Uh, Taylor Heineke was the quarterback at the time for the Commanders. They were all bitching about it after the game. Giants fans said, shut up, like you said, Dan. And, oh, by the way, the Giants needed that win because it helped propel them to a playoff berth. So Giants fans weren't saying, oh, man, the refs really butchered that one. They should not have thrown that flag. Like, I don't (laughs) think that we heard that. So we just got to stay consistent on that thing. Uh, At the end of the game, I didn't have a problem with the flag not coming out. I'm more pissed about how the first half ended, honestly. Uh, 100%. Than anything so 100%. so there that is i have a question for dan just we've been talking a lot about the vibe of the team i have a question about that here coming up but i'll tease that for the next segment first we're going to get some fantasy advice from the huddle.com then we'll be back to talk giants commanders
2: i'm cory bonini of the huddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number seven quarterback jordan love green bay packers at denver broncos Love returns from his bye week with an offense that should be as healthy as it has been all season, and he heads to the Mile High City to face a Denver unit that has given up 12 passing touchdowns in 5 contests, which is tied for the most in football. Only 3 of 168 attempts have been intercepted, and just the Washington Commanders have given up more fantasy points, mostly due to allowing big numbers to running quarterbacks. Love is a rock-solid quarterback one play. Running back Kareem Hunt, Cleveland Browns at Indianapolis Colts. As of Wednesday, Hunt was dealing with a thigh injury, so keep track of that one. But his workload ramped up last week, and he saw 12 carries and 3 receptions, resulting in 71 total yards and a score. He still fell behind Jerome Ford in utilizations, but that kind of touch tally cannot be ignored, especially in a week when you have 6 teams on bye. Indianapolis has allowed the 10th most PPR points in the last 5 weeks, and just 4 teams have been worse at keeping running backs out of the end zone on the ground. Desperate owners can roll with Hunt as an RB2 or a flex play. Wide receiver Joshua Palmer, Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City Chiefs. Palmer has at least 10 PPR points in three straight contests, and he draws single coverage as defenses look to contain Keenan Allen. While Austin Eckler's return last week lowers Palmer's ceilings a little bit, there's still enough to go around in this high-volume passing offense. He has scored three times in the last two games versus Kansas City, and the Chiefs have given up four wide receiver touchdowns in the last five weeks. Plus, this one could turn into a shootout. Palmer is a quality wide receiver three during bye mageddon Tight end Luke Musgrave, Green Bay Packers at Denver Broncos. We're double dipping on the Packers passing game with this one. There have been a few flashes from the rookie in 2023, and this could be the week in which it all comes together. Denver is the worst defense at limiting tight ends in the last five weeks. Six teams are on a bye to amplify the need to take a risk, and Musgrave has tallied six catches in two of the last three contests. The Broncos have permitted the most yards on the third most catches and touchdowns at the 11th highest rate since the end of week one. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle. Com.
0: all right commanders visiting the giants the commanders are three and three somehow dan i don't think they're a very good football team i think sam howell's terrible but they are they're three and three uh the giants obviously one and five here's my question that i teased before the break there are the giants back like what what was that on on sunday night right like again 15 15 and a half point underdogs and the bills they barely score 14 points it took a freaking heroic throw by josh allen i do not know how he did that that throw i mean it wasn't even there he created something out of nothing there to get the touchdown to go ahead i mean the giants had them on the ropes man the bills struggled to score 14 points in a game they were favored by 15 and a half that's got to tell you something uh but like that giants team was just that was the team we'd ex- we were expecting to see all along right there the edge was back they were there was some chippiness out there. They were standing up for each other. They're pushing the bills around a little bit. Grittiness. Like all of that. Like this was the Giants. Like this is what we expected to see all year. We haven't seen it. We've been wondering why, where's the effort? Where's the tackling? Like what why aren't they sticking their nose in there like they have? Like, where is this team? Where's our team? And I thought we saw it on Sunday night Dan. So what the hell is it? Is it just, is it as simple as your body is like. I don't know. We're six weeks in. I know the the preseason is definitely ramped down now, and we both have opinions about that. That's a story for another day. But uh, is it now the body calloused enough where you can go out there and start hitting? The pad level gets lower or what? Like, I don't know. I thought the physicality is starting to pick up across the league, but especially with the Giants, it was very noticeable on Sunday. They were not ready to go in there and get embarrassed, and they didn't embarrass themselves. I thought they acquitted themselves very well, actually. I thought it was... That's a story as well, like the effort and the edge and the way they looked. I love the way they looked. I thought you could tell right away, Ooh, ooh, the Giants are going to be a problem tonight. The Bills are not going to get out of here easy with a win. And it turned out that way. Where's that been? Like what what clicked for the team, Dan? Like w- what do you see out there?
1: Listen, you can only get thrown over someone's knee and spanked for so long before you finally just have (laughs) enough of it and fight back. So I think what happened with the Giants is they were just tired of being humiliated, particularly on prime time, tired of getting their face smashed into the ground and just rolling over and and taking these beatings, which you've you've heard me criticize them about this year. You you have said the same. Uh, There have been multiple instances in particular where there were dirty plays against players and the Giants teammates just kind of stood around and did nothing. And, and we were heavily critical of them for that. And But I think that's ultimately what it is. You can only get, you know, your teeth kicked in for so long before you finally say enough is enough and you start fighting back. Um, as it relates to the game specifically, the defense was great. They were fantastic. Whether or not that stems from day ball, have an intimate knowledge of the bills offense and Josh Allen in particular, I don't know. Uh, but, Players like Bobby Okereke and Michael McFadden stepped up and had huge games. They played exceptionally well. Dexter Lawrence is always a menace at most. He paddle. was such a beast in uh, this game. Oh my God. He's Dexter. just he's just so dominant. It's just silly, really. Um, you know, there there were other players, obviously, you could pinpoint any number of them that played strong defensive games. Uh the offense, I'm not gonna be nearly as as or for them nearly as much praise as the defense. You score nine points, which is too below your your average for the season is not particularly wonderful. And I know people say, oh, Tyrod played a great game. I think great is certainly a a strong word to use for the game that he played. I I keep saying to people, you know, uh, take that same result, take that same game, take that same performance. Remove Tyrod Taylor from it. Put Daniel Jones in there, and then tell me what the analysis would be on the game had Daniel Jones been one to play that game. And let's just be honest; it would not have been a positive uh, response. I think they might have uh, won.
0: They might have won the game with DJ. Yeah.
1: Honestly, uh, but I, yeah, maybe, maybe. But I'm saying just the same exact results, the same line, the same wins, the same losses, the same mistakes at the end of the second half, for instance. Oh God. <laughs> Pitchforce. You wouldn't be right, exactly. You wouldn't be calling it, oh, DJ played a great game. That would not be the sentiment today. No, it's if, a good point. Good. Fair, fair point. Fair right, point. So uh so the defense did play well. But yes, I do I do applaud the Giants for the grittiness and for the fight. And I hope that, that carries over not just into this week, but for the remainder of the regular season. It doesn't matter how bad this team is at the end of the day. The bottom line is you gotta fight for yourself got to fight for your teammates and you cannot allow yourself to get whooped on up and down that field every single week you got to fight back and they finally did
0: yeah i think that was that was a good sign hopefully it continues um now we got a division matchup here with the commanders dan it's a team that the giants have had some success against the commanders did not beat the giants last year now the giants did tie them <laughs> so we got we can't give the giants too much love but they uh they didn't lose to the commanders last year they've actually i think they're they're six three and one straight up in the last ten meetings with the Commanders, so they've had success, some success against this ball team. And I just don't think the Commanders are that good. I know they're three and three. I think Sam Howell kind of blows. I think he's the most sacked quarterback in the league. He's like I. I feel like sometimes I watch pieces of their. I haven't watched a ton of their games, Dan, but there's times where I watch Ron Rivera. They the camera pans over to him on the sideline, and he's just giving that blank Ron Rivera stare. And I just feel like he's like, oh, God, how did I get Carson Wentz Jr. on my team? How did I end up with Carson Wentz again? (laughs) But there is like a little bit of Carson Wentz in in Sam Howell, I think. I'm not a big Sam Howell guy. I don't know if you can tell. Um, But this Commanders team, they got blown off their own field by the Bears a couple weeks ago. Like they made Justin Fields look like freaking Joe Montana in that game. They're not that good. I know Daniel Jones is trying to work his way back. Maybe you can give us an update on his status, Dan.
1: That's. Um, I don't think that's going to happen.
0: You don't think you think you think, you think, you think it's no, the same I, as last week? They're talking. They're they're blowing smoke with him. Yeah, I just making
1: progress. I mean, we obviously listen. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. They haven't had their first practice of the week yet. But I'm I'm not Nostradamus, But I just don't. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to come back that quickly from yeah. from this neck injury. I just don't. I just don't. And that's okay because again, Tyrod Taylor best backup quarterback in the league, knocked some of the rust and the mental hiccups, got them out, of the, yes, guys yes, out of the way a little bit last week. So uh, I think that's a, it would be a good matchup for him, honestly. I, it would be a good matchup for Daniel Jones. It always is if he is in the game. Uh, but e- even if he's not, I think it's a good matchup for Tyrod Taylor um, and, and the Giants offense as a whole. You know, Washington not particularly great against a run. Uh, the giants showed some spark there in the fourth quarter. It was kind of a mess leading up to that point. I know that the totals looked good at the end of the day, but that really all came from one drive in the fourth quarter. Uh, but again, I I think there's the opportunity there to run, uh, run the ball successfully against Washington. That should open up some things, you know, down the field for Tyrod or Jones, whoever it is that ends up getting, you know, the start, I think it'll be Tyrod obviously. Um, It'd be great if they could get Andrew Thomas back. I mean, imagine – or or John Michael Smith or both. You know, if they got them back, uh, obviously it could change things pretty dramatically. They're starting to get Jalen Hyatt involved now. There's going to be opportunities for him to make plays down the field against Washington. So, for the Giants' offense, this might be the best opportunity they have to actually put some points on the board, score a touchdown, you know, for the first time in several weeks, for the first time in a month. Um, defensively, eh, you know, it's it's tough to tell. Uh, you know, the giants obviously playing particularly well, are they going to be able to generate an organic pass rush against Washington without having to send their blitzers? It'd be great if they did. I mean, they could potentially dominate the game if they're, if cave for instance, goes off and maybe someone else along the line, you know, picks up some slack and generates some pressure, keep, you know, Howell moving, maybe make him see ghosts for a change, have it, have it be the shoe on the other foot. So I, I think it is a good matchup for the giants, no matter who starts a quarterback though. And, um, I'm not going to go as heavily critical on how as, as as you are, but I, I do believe that it's a favorable matchup for the Giants, even if Vegas doesn't necessarily see it that way. What you're trying to say, Dan, is Howell blows.
0: That's what you're trying to say. You're saying you're trying to say he's not that good a quarterback.
1: I'm just uh, no. I, I, listen, um, Carson Wentz Jr. Listen, Carson Wentz and Howell, much like him, they have their moments where they look really good, but you can pretty much bank on like one or two. Maybe even three really horrendous decisions Uh that cost the team. So I would expect to see that at some point on Sunday. a bunch of sacks. You could also
0: count on that. Okay, (laughs) a bunch of sacks.
1: Hopefully, hopefully the Giants. The Giants continue to be inconsistent. Obviously, they'll be without Aziz Ogulari yet again. So. It's really going to be on Kay Thibodeau to make something happen. Luckily, some of his best games, like many of the Giants, has come against Washington.
0: Yep. I was going to say Tavon – or Kayvon, I should say. Tavon. Kayvon tormented Heineke last year. So uh, let's let's hope he can torment Sam Howell. Um, I got a good feeling about where you're leaning here, Dan. The spread is one and a half. The Giants are getting some points at home, one and a half points. Uh, if that indeed is the spread at kickoff, obviously we're talking you know a while before the kickoff here. But let's play with that line one and a half. That's where it opened. Uh, are you taking the points here in this one? I know you're not Nostradamus, but you are the great Danton. So let's let's get your pick.
1: I, I think the Giants win. I realize that that pick is lacking confidence for many. Uh, and, and and justifiably so listen, if this were like any other team, I probably wouldn't be as confident, but there's just something about Washington that brings out the best in the giants, even in ties, they just seem to play better than they do at any other point in the season. I I find it hard to believe that that's suddenly going to change, especially if they find some level of health going into this game. Um, Yes. You know, Washington is 3-3, three and three and they just beat the Falcons. But, you know, they were riding a three-game losing streak prior to that. They were giving up a ton of points. They give up, like you said, a ton of sacks. They were kind of getting their teeth kicked into. too. Uh, if you're the Giants, you're kind of glad that they won last week. You didn't want them to come in riding a four game losing streak for much of the same reason I just said about the giants showing grittiness. You're only going to get your teeth kicked in so long before you, you have enough of it. So let them experience a little win. Let them put some of their dentures back in and, and, and go back to work feeling and riding a little bit higher. I think that, that, that benefits the giants a bit. Uh, but just overall, I think it's a, it's a good matchup for the giants. I think wink is going to come up with a good game plan. His defense is playing increasingly better every single week. Um, against good teams too. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, the Washington commanders are the, are the Buffalo bills, you know what I mean? so you got to kind of feel pretty good about that. And again, whether it's Tyrod getting a second straight start or DJ coming back who always, you know, exposes Washington. I think it's just positive matchups for the giants almost across the board. So I think they went out right.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I feel good about this matchup. I'm not high on the commanders. I don't know if you can tell. I'm not high in the Commanders. I mean, their wins this year were against Arizona, Denver, and the Falcons. Right? It's not like they've
1: not, not knocking that Arizona vote. No, you, no. Listen, I, any, um, listen, if you beat Arizona, you you've earned that win. I'll tell you that
0: much. Yeah, it was a grindy win in the in Week One that they beat Arizona. Um, I know a lot of people took Washington in their Survivor pick, thinking Arizona was going to be the worst team in football, and boy, that was uh, that has not been the case. Arizona's been tough. I think my Patriots might be the worst team in football, if I'm being honest. They can't hey, even listen, be, they, can't they even might be Brian be, Hoyer.
1: Right. <laughs> they ahead. might be one in five, but they're kind of a tough one in five. Even did listen, they kind of got stomped a little bit, you know, last week against the Rams, but that wasn't like the blowaway game that the, the score seems to indicate. And I don't think that's really been the case for anybody in Arizona. So again, we've said that people are gonna start thinking this is Cardinals wire, but <laughs> tip your cap to the Cardinals, <laughs> they are playing hard. And and listen, if like I said, if you beat the Cardinals, you've earned that win. Uh, but some of the other games that that Washington has picked up a little bit a little bit less impressive. I mean, giving up thirty three points to the Denver Broncos does not really speak volumes about your team.
0: No, I think their defense is a defense that has a lot of big names that might scare you on paper, but they're just on the field they're just they're just not really living up to it, you know what I mean they're they're playing below the hype. And I think that with the commanders, this is one thing that might worry me a little bit about the Dan maybe uh, about the game, Dan, give maybe get your take on this. They're a team that, when they get on top of you and they can run the ball, which is what they want to do on offense with you know Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson Jr., they want to run the ball. Against the Falcons, they got up 17-10 in the first half, then they scored first in the second half. They got 24 to 10 against the Falcons. That's how Washington wants to play. They want to play from ahead. And then they have everything they want to do right in front of them. They can kind of dictate the game with their run game. The Bears got out on them. Do you remember that Bears game where the Bears got up? It was like 24 to nothing or something, 27 to 3, whatever it was in that game. And Washington ended up throwing the ball 51 times against the Bears and running at 10. And they can't play that way. So if you could get them out of their game script, if you could get ahead of them early, Dan, you can stomp on their throat and beat them. And take them out of what they want to do. Put the ball in Sam Howell's hands. You got a chance. The problem is, can the Giants get a lead in the first half? I don't know. I don't have any confidence that they could do that, Dan, because it's been, like all you right. said, what, it's been months since they've done that? So
1: it'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a month.
0: Yeah. Have they scored an offensive touchdown all season? In the first half, uh,
1: in the first half, no,
0: no. So, like, can you get a freaking lead? Just get a freaking lead in the first half, and then you could take the commanders out of everything they want to do. This is a team that they're they're
1: not the you worst can team. With, like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. They should score. T- they should score a touchdown. But you can do that with field goals. The problem with the Giants, and maybe this is the only area that of any concern, really, is are they going to be able to stop the run? They should be able to stop the run but they should be able to stop the run all season. They haven't been able to do that. So I, I think that's going to be the key for Washington. I think that's going to be Washington's game plan is go in there and just run it down the giants throat. So, you know, they're going to need, you know, Dexter Lawrence, particularly Leonard Williams, who who seems to vanish at times this year, uh, Ashon Sean Robinson, Joaquin, uh, Roches, you know, Nunez, th- these guys, that, th- Jordan Riley, the rookie, if he's playing, these guys are going to have to step up and, and stop the run because that's what's going to lose them the game if they can't do that and every every other matchup really kind of leans in their favor except for that one uh so whether it's getting ahead or just stopping the run either way that that's something the Giants are going to have to do so I'd imagine Wink Martindale is going to scheme for that but you're right go 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 down the field put some points on the board ideally a touchdown score your first first half touchdown of the year if you can't do that you know don't don't leave the ball on the one yard line and not score a field goal this time. You know what I'm saying? Like, get those points and, and make them throw the ball.
0: Yep. Uh, Dan, one o'clock kickoffs the next three weeks in a row. How about that?
1: Oh well, two weeks in a row, and thank God for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so there it is. Uh, Giants in the afternoon, normal early window. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. No more Friday. That, that
1: almost feels like a vacation. <laughs> if I'm seriously, being seriously,
0: let's play football <laughs> at a normal time. Sunday at one. Giants Commanders. There it is. For Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Giants Flyers got you covered up until kickoff and beyond. We appreciate you joining the program. As always, uh, subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend. That's how you support us. We appreciate you. As always, we will catch you next week after Giants Commanders.